session with Dr. Farid Holaku. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadid Holakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadid Holakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 310-441-0555. Before I begin, let me announce the book of the week for this week. It is The Champion's Mind by Jim Aframo. The Champion's Mind, How Great Athletes Think, Train, and thrive. It is a book uh, in the realm of sports psychology. So if that's not of interest to you, you might not find it as interesting, but I find a lot of it is applicable to anything we do in our lives and trying to perform at the highest level. So um, I wanted to also include a book on sports psychology to include a variety of books throughout the year. So that's the book for this week. Um, now, today is the day before Thanksgiving here in the United States. So for a lot of people, this is their last day of work for a few days or school. Um, and tomorrow, families get together traditionally, and we're supposed to focus on giving thanks. Most people focus on eating a lot, um, which is a big part of Thanksgiving. But the, the whole name, Thanksgiving, means to give thanks. And this relates to this important concept in psychology of gratitude, something that in recent years has uh, grown a lot of steam and gained a lot of um, approval as something that's very good for your mental health, actually even for your physical health. And it can be cliche to talk about because you see it so much on people's Instagram posts and quotes they leave about being grateful and uh, appreciating what you have. But there really is a lot of science to back up the importance of doing exactly that. Um, and that's why I wanted to talk about it today, about how important it can be and how we actually can improve or increase the amount of gratitude we express in our lives each day. It does take some effort, like any kind of skill or habit. Um, it does take some effort, especially at the beginning. But once you start to do it, like other habits, it becomes more natural and automatic. And that's what we want to try to create. Um, so research has shown, really when I talk about the research on gratitude, it sounds almost fake because there's so many things that it helps. It improves your mood. It can reduce anxiety. Um, it can improve physical health even there have been studies linking that it can improve your relationships and the amount of social support you have and that actually can make a lot of sense the more you express gratitude and thankfulness to the people around you the better your relationships become um, and even has positive effects on the brain improving uh, your sleep boosting serotonin um, activates the brainstem region that produces dopamine, and on and on. So the science is very clear that becoming more grateful, expressing more gratefulness 
is something that helps us in so many ways. Uh, even for fighting depression, it can be one of the the things we can do to help ourselves uh, battle depression. And a lot of times people who are depressed think, well, what do I have to be grateful for? And it could seem like a difficult exercise. But what we find is even the process of trying to find things to be grateful for does have a positive effect. And in this way, um, we can use the analogy that I sometimes use when I'm talking about things like compassion, but it's very much true with gratitude as well, that it's almost like your brain has a gratitude muscle in it. And the, like, like any muscle, the more you use it, the more you uh, work it out, and the more strong it becomes and the easier it becomes for you to use it. I may, sometimes people listen to the show while they're at the gym. So if you're at the gym right now working your physical muscles, you can also think, well, there is uh, a gratitude muscle in my brain, and the more I practice it, the more it becomes easy for me to do that. And so tomorrow's Thanksgiving, and like lots of holidays that are prescribed for a certain reason, uh, we think that's the day to do it. So Thanksgiving is a day to give thanks, but we can forget it the rest of the year. And that's not what we want to do. We want to remember it on Thanksgiving, but remember it on all the days of the year, which I'll talk about next. It reminds me of Valentine's Day and a lot of times, especially men can groan about it and say, oh, I have to be romantic on this day or I'm forced to be romantic. Um, and I think it's it's sad to think that there isn't this desire to be romantic, not just on Valentine's Day, but on other days. So I hear complaints from people, especially again, more commonly from men saying, well, you know, everything on, th- on a Valentine's Day is more expensive or it's more difficult. So I think it's stupid and it's commercialized holiday. And I can be okay with that. Now you talk to your partner about that, but you cannot celebrate Valentine's Day on Valentine's Day as long as you have maybe 10, 15 other Valentine's Days throughout your year where you're being romantic and expressing your love to your partner in a very clear way. So it doesn't have to be just that day and it shouldn't just be that day. And similarly, Thanksgiving shouldn't be the one day we say what we're grateful for and tell our friends and family that we love them and why we love them. It's something we should practice to do every day. So what are some things you can do to become more grateful or to develop this attitude of gratitude? One is uh, what they call a gratitude journal, something I've talked about on the show many times. And that, what that basically is, is you can do it in the day or the nighttime, but just writing down a few things each day that you're grateful for. So I'm grateful that I got to hang out with my friends today. I had a good time with them and they're so supportive and blah, blah, blah. Or I'm grateful even for seeing the sunset. It was so beautiful and it was just a nice moment. Or the feeling I had when I was hearing this song in my car. It can be something very small. Sometimes when people think of, Gratitude, we think it has to be something huge. Okay, I got married or I got a new job or had a baby. Uh, of course, those are things you're going to be very grateful for and they're going to be huge life-changing events. But one of the focuses of gratitude is to recognize that we want to recognize the gratitude that we can have for everyday things that are happening in our lives, the things that we can be grateful for that are happening every day around us. And so this process of doing um, a gratitude journal has very important effects for us psychologically. Even one research uh, study found that if they people did this for 21 days in a row, writing three things they were grateful for every day, they saw significant increases in their level of optimism 
and that this held for six months after the study ended. So it has a lasting effect. So a gratitude journal could be a great thing to do. Um, for a long time, I would do it in my phone. I do it in other ways now, but I would just keep notes in my phone, and every night I'd write a few things that I was grateful for. And something that people find, and this is related to this idea of the gratitude muscle, is that when I was doing it every night, during the day, I would think about things that I would include in my journal, or something would happen. I'd be like, oh, I might write about that tonight. So when we start to focus on things to be grateful for, we become more aware of them. We see them more and it makes us feel better. That's why this research makes sense and it makes us more optimistic. It makes us feel better about our lives. It can make us feel more hopeful about our life if we're very depressed. It gives us this feeling that there are good things around us. Another thing we can do is to write thank you notes or letters, or emails, or probably texts, or snaps nowadays. But you can write something. I'd actually say don't do it over Snapchat. We want to make sure it's permanent, something that lasts. Um, but you can write thank you notes randomly to people who you care about in your life. And actually, handwritten would be the most um, effective or have the deepest impact. My handwriting is really bad, so sometimes I have to be careful if I do a handwritten note to make sure the person can understand what I'm saying. But um, we know that that has the strongest personal touch. So writing a random uh, thank you letter or note can be very important. This is why I appreciate you in my life, or I'm grateful to have you in my life, and I just wanted to thank you. Or about a specific thing they did. You know, a few weeks ago, I was feeling really down, and you came over, and we talked, and it really made me feel a lot better. I wanted you to, to let you know I really appreciated that. So that's another thing um, that we can do is writing random acts of uh, of kindness in that sense, or writing a random thank you note. And even when we look at relationships, a very strong predictor of how happy partners are is how appreciated they feel by their partner. So it's not really an actual measure of how many times they say specific things, but feeling appreciated by your partner is very, very important. And you see that often when people come into therapy that they don't feel appreciated. They feel that they only get complaints and criticism, but they don't get a lot of thank yous or I appreciate this or I appreciate you. And when we focus on what we're grateful for, we feel better about the relationship, but so does our partner. And it creates a positive feedback loop because the more we show appreciation, the more people actually want to respond in positive ways. It reinforces them and encourages them to do better things. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Am I expressing regular gratitude? I was talking about the random thank you notes and cards and texts we can and should do. But are you regularly expressing gratitude to the people around you and showing them that kind of kindness and love. And also I want to mention something we shouldn't do when it comes to gratitude. Often people will say, oh, I'm, I'm so grateful I'm not that guy that's going through this or that homeless person who's on the street. Look at that. I'm so grateful I'm not them. But this actually is not the best way or not a good way for us to practice gratitude. We shouldn't practice gratitude by talking about what other people don't have that we have or what other people are going through that we're happy we're not going through. We want to focus on what we have, what we're experiencing, not what other people have or don't have. And the reason for this is similar to how we have this gratitude muscle. We also have something like a comparison muscle in our brain, meaning that the more we compare ourselves to others, the more this becomes our focus. 
So if I'm focusing even on people who have less than me or have a worse situation than me, this creates in my brain and in my focus this idea of looking at differences. And of course, we can find someone maybe who's worse off than us now, but then later on we'll see someone who's doing better than us. And if we have this comparison mindset, unfortunately, we start to compare ourselves to them and their life, and we don't feel very good. So we don't want to focus on comparing ourselves to others and what they do or don't have that makes us feel grateful. We want to focus just on ourselves. So we don't want to activate the social comparison muscle. We want to activate that gratitude muscle in our brain. Focus on what I have. Even you can say I'm happy for my health. So rather than saying so-and-so is sick or they have this situation, I'm so grateful for my own health is a the way to put it in a positive way and focusing on yourself. And so overall, the goal is we take these steps and these actions, but we want to develop um, what can be easily called an attitude of gratitude, to focus on that, to every day recognize that we have a choice to look for the good that's going on in our day. Now, by this, I don't by any means uh, want to say that you shouldn't notice the bad things or deny that they're going on. And that's something that people can do. Well, I should be grateful and just see the good. No, that's not actually healthy either because you're in denial of what's actually happening in your life. You want to be grateful for what you have, but you can recognize the pain also. So for example, if you bump your knee, um, you don't have to ignore it. You can say that really hurts. Now, even in that moment or later on, you can say, I'm so grateful that my health is good and really this is a pain that I have but overall I'm in good health but we don't ignore the pain either we can see both or we can see it all we can see the the painful side but also the positive one now if I just focus on my knee pain for the rest of the day and only think about that that's probably going to bring me down and if I focus on what I'm also grateful for that'll make me a lot happier and make my day go a lot better but we don't have to ignore our pain but overall we can develop an attitude of gratitude and so tomorrow um, i hope all of you have a wonderful thanksgiving for those of you celebrating especially in the united states and if you're with your families make sure to actually honor this tradition i think although we were supposed to do this as part of thanksgiving is to go around the table and everyone says what they're grateful for i think most families don't practice that tradition i think it's actually a very nice one but i would hope it's not just this one time a year you do it you can do it every night at dinner or once a week at dinner and make sure your focus isn't just on being thankful on this one day but that to adapt that attitude of gratitude for yourself and it'll make yourself healthier both physically emotionally and mentally but also strengthen your relationships as well all right we've reached our first commercial break studio number 310-441-0555 you're listening to in session with dr fatty delacqui we'll be right back Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yes, hi, you're on the air. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure, thanks for calling. Um, I'm actually calling you uh, regarding my relationship. Um, if you like, I'll give you a quick background. Um, yes, please do. First. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm 31 years old. I'm calling from the UK. Um, I'm an oil and gas engineer. I have been in the UK for about 20 years since I was about um, about 11 years old. Um, just to give you a background about the family, I'm the last child in the family. Um, I have a brother um, who's two and a half years older than me and a sister who's um, about um, 15 months older than me. Um, uh, in terms of my mum and dad, um, I think they've had a horrible marriage, um, a lot of fights, a lot of arguments, um, a lot of um, cheating on behalf of my dad on my mm. mother. And um, it's been continuous ever since, you know, we were we were little and, and we migrated to, to the UK. Um, I have always uh, sort of played the part of the problem solver, if you like, uh, within the family because I was sort of referred to or looked upon as the person in the family that they could um, rely on for, for, you know, simple logic, if you like. Um, they, I, I, I believe the, not, the, 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 the right term is the non-sexual physical um, abuse, if you like, uh, mm-hmm. that I was subject to. You know, everyone was coming to me uh, regarding solving issues or if they um, had a problem with someone else, they would come to me and ask me to sort it. You know, and, and, and we're talking about when I was probably, you know, this started probably when I was, I'd say, about 13, 14, mm. um, all the way up until um, literally just about a year ago when I, when I literally gave up. Um, I have a brother, as I mentioned, who um, has literally you know, messed up our lives in, in any way possible. He's uh, been a liability uh, really for the last um, 20 years, ever since we came here. And, uh, he's done quite a lot of damage to the family, and the, the, the latest one being that you know they, they took away his child from him mm. um, for legal reasons. And my parents actually you know volunteered to get to sort of um, become the guardian uh, of the child. And um, he has been putting us through hell. Um, he, he used to smoke marijuana for years, and um, he, he has this psychological issue where he thinks that ghosts are basically following him all over. And um, uh, for that reason, you know, uh, I mean, the, the sort of problem he, he has stolen from us, he's done a lot of damage. Um, I hate him so much that, um, um, to be honest with you, there, there, there has been cases where, for example, I've been taking shower and um, uh, I imagine him, I, I sort of daydream about killing him myself. Really. I, I would hate him that much. And, you know, I, I visualize that moment for myself. Um, uh, my mother is quite an anxious and angry person. She's quite depressed, obviously, you know, with all the things that she's gone through. And, and she's um, uh, she's not the type of person that you could really sit down and have a chat with and, and tell her that, look, as a child, I think you've done this and this and this wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think you should accept that and, and don't do it from now on. She believes that, you know, whatever she has done uh, it has been to the best standard possible and, and she couldn't do any better. Um, it, now, just to, but that, that was a background on, on myself and my family, and just to move on to the relationship. I have been in a relationship for about um, one year and ten months now. Uh, this is um, with um, an Iranian girl in here uh, who was born here, but she 
moved back to Iran for a few years, and then she lived in the Middle East for a few years, and then she came back to the USA just a few, uh, just four or five years ago. Um, she, uh, well, her parents were also separated, um, so she lived uh, after probably half of her life with her dad, and then the other with with, with her mom. Um, the, the the main point that I should mention is that there is about a ten year gap uh, between us in terms of our age. Mm-hmm. That's the one that she's kind of one. Um, everything at the beginning was was quite good. Um, she lived in another city, and I usually move away to see her for you know for four or five days every couple of weeks or so. And this was you know right in the middle of all the tensions that I had with my brother. And it really helped me to, you know, take my mind off that and um, just move out and, and see my girlfriend for a few days and uh, just have fun and come back. Um, she moved to uh, where I live um, last year, and with that came a lot of um, burden, if like, a lot of challenges for, for for me, both financially, time-wise, and psychologically, really. Um, I tried to support her in any way or form that I could. Um, so I, I found her get jobs. I found her uh, helped her sort of settle down. You know, to find her own apartment, if you like. And and all of that took a lot out of me because um, at the same time I was going through quite a lot uh, from my family. And in parallel to that. Um, I am currently working as an oil and gas uh, engineer, but um, what I should let you know is that um, I only sort of went for this course at the beginning um, because of my parents. So um, it wasn't really my area. Um, Well, I I didn't really enjoy, you know, any technical um, subjects, even when I was at school, but because I knew they would approve it, I went and studied petroleum engineering and therefore became a petroleum engineer. Um, and I really literally hate the day-to-day job that I do at the moment. And um, all of that, I mean, the, the stuff uh, that I have going on at work and at home, and the, you know, the things that are currently going wrong with, with my girlfriend, it's sort of, um, I'm in a position that I'm asking myself whether I'm even mentally stable to be in a relationship. Now, the type of things that my girlfriend sort of uh, complains about is that it's, it's quite interesting because you actually were mentioning this just, just before I came on regarding expressing love. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am not capable to do that. I'm not capable to express uh, my feelings, uh, even at times when I wanted to. Um, I sort of, you know, uh, pushed them down in me and I thought, you know, just uh, forget about it, you know, don't, 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 be, don't be like that, don't be a kid, don't express your feelings. Um, uh, and it's been a case that, you know, we, we've been with each other for about a year and ten, ten months, and um, both of us haven't really expressed our feelings. I think she has that problem as well, hmm. where she can't really express how, how she feels. So we sort of uh, work against each other in that department. The other thing as well um, is our sexual relationship. Um, I, I have traditionally had had sort of problems in that department um, and um, what sort of I, what I, sort of problems do you have um, so the, uh, it was mainly regarding the fact that I saw the sexual relationship in uh, in a one-way street so I was there to, to become satisfied and, and not the, 
the girl. And that, you know, I, I tried to do a little bit of digging on that. And um, the thing that I went back to is that traditionally in my family, even though, you know, we've been here for years and years, funny thing is that sexual relationship was always frowned upon. And they, my parents wouldn't be happy if they heard that you have sexual relationship. They would always tell you, be careful, be careful with this. Um, don't do it or things like that. And um, you I should also let you know, I mean, yeah. yes. I was going to say, do you feel like you almost rushed through it, like it's something just to get through? Um, exactly. Mm -hmm. so it, it was always something that I felt, you know, I have to get it over mm -hmm. and dusted, you know, quickly. I, I mean, all of my sexual relationships have been, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, uh, in, in secret, if you like. Now, I'm not yeah. expecting to go and voice them out, of course, to my parents, but it, it's, you know, I, I mean, if I take one step back, it, um, it's never been a case that um, uh, I could easily take a girlfriend of mine to my house and introduce them to my parents because I know that they wouldn't approve her. My parents are uh, very much in the arranged marriage sort of scenario where they like me to get married to my cousin and they're just not letting go of that. Um, um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they say to me, you know, take a girlfriend, whatever, but, you know, get married to your, to your cousin, which I don't want to. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, the, the, the worst sort of scenario that I can tell you about the sexual relationship is that, which really, you know, proved how selfish I was. Um, right after I had sex uh, with a partner, for example, this is, this doesn't, honestly apply to the to the recent girlfriend because I've tried to, you know, change my mentality. But prior to that, right after I had sexual intercourse with, with someone, I immediately um, had a sort of bad um, sort of uh, image in my head about them. I thought that, you know, they were prostitutes and things like that, not, not good girls and things like that, even though I just had, had sex with them, mm -hmm. and that was right after um, I had sex with them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the mentality that I have. Yeah. So we had the problem in the sexual relationship department as well, and um, uh, her issue is that um, she, I mean, in that department, she doesn't help me as well. Our, our sexual intercourse is very much like she's present but there's no dialogue, there's no movement from her, there's no, there's nothing, it's just basically, you know, she, she's just present. Mm -hmm. And um, I have reached this stage where I feel like um, there, there, there wouldn't really be any positives in moving forward with this relationship, but uh, when I try to, you know, put the good and bad on the scale and try to measure these things, um, I really struggle to do so. Now, I'm not sure whether it's because I'm looking at this emotionally or, or what it is, but I'm struggling to find the right path and to see whether mm -hmm. there's any point in, in pursuing this, this relationship. Yeah, well, you know, at the same time, when you look at a relationship, we do want to be very rational, but there's emotional components to be aware of too. But you shared a whole lot, so I'm not going to get to respond to all of it even before we go to a break, and we'll continue talking after the break. But the way you described your childhood, you had kind of this classic um, relationship with your family where you never got to be a kid. You had to start taking care of your parents and your family from a young age. And it seems very clear in talking to you, it's almost like you've put away 
yourself completely, your your needs, your wants, your likes, your desires, your emotions, everything is just completely disconnected from you. And, uh, you know, even in hearing you talk, there's a, a lot of anger and also just a sadness and almost hopelessness about life and the way you talk about things, which is understandable based on what you experienced, which was basically that you never had a childhood. So you don't have this uh, inner child part of yourself that is alive and excited and enjoys life and sees good in things. And you also learn from a very young age that you weren't allowed to have any needs or wants or emotions. You, you put them all away just to try to keep the peace and to be there for everyone else. So I'll mention the name of a book uh, right now, The Drama of the Gifted Child, I think is a book that if you read it, you'll likely see you likely read it and say, oh, wow, this is me. This is describing me. Because from what you've described, I think you'll relate to it very much. This idea of the gifted child who is sensitive and attuned to other people's emotions from a young age. And rather than the parents taking care of him or her emotionally, they start to learn to take care of them. And because of that, they take on this role of not focusing or even being aware of their own wants, needs, and emotions and just focusing on, on others and losing touch with that. But there's definitely, I almost hate to say this word, but a deadness in how you describe yourself and your life. You seem very smart and also very aware. I mean, the way you talked about things in your family and in yourself, you have this insight and awareness, but there seems to be a complete disconnection between yourself and yourself, actually, and really the inner child part of yourself that can enjoy life and feel good and feel good about things. And even when it came to sex, the reason why I asked you if it's because you're kind of rushing through it was you added the part where it's something bad that you're doing, something immoral, so you have to hurry up and get it over with. But also that focusing on your own desire and your own pleasure doesn't come naturally for you or probably isn't easy for you. And then you couple that with the idea that sex is something bad and forbidden and immoral. And of course, you're not going to have a healthy relationship with sex either. But we're at a commercial break. Let's talk some more after the break, because you talked about being mentally stable, or being not mentally stable enough to be in a relationship. And I don't know if I'd say that, but I would say that what you're dealing with isn't just a relationship issue. Or if we say it's a relationship issue, I'd say it's the relationship between you and yourself. And I want us to focus on that. So hang on, we'll talk after the break, okay? Uh, all right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. Back before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to Kim. Caller, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you spoke, you know, I, like I said, you actually, I felt like did a pretty good job of conceptualizing your past and, and present in a, a pretty good way. What did you think of what I was saying about how I was hearing you? Um, I think you were actually spot on. I mean, the bit you mentioned regarding, you know, not really having a childhood. Um that is how I feel, and in the recent times, you know, I've tried to distance myself from 
all the troubles within the family mm-hmm. and so on, to be able to have that time to myself and to do what I would like to do. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it's a, it's a case that I'm always being dragged back into yeah. it. Um, because, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the issues that I have with my brother, um, the issues that I have with my father, who is, I mean, still uh, with the critical problems that we have, he's still, you know, uh, going around and, and doing things that he shouldn't be doing, like cheating and, and these sort of things. And <laughs> I keep on being dragged back into those troubles that um, are no fault of my own. Well, the, the the troubles the troubles are no fault of your own, but we're going to give you the responsibility that you get to choose how you're going to respond to it, and that's the big part for you. And actually, I know I, I don't want to give you lots of homework, but I mentioned the gr- drama of the gifted child. But another book you'd likely benefit from is Codependent No More, because it seems like you have a codependent relationship with your family particularly with your brother, but then maybe even with your dad, where you, um, and I know they put a pressure on you, so I'm not saying it's going to be easy, so I'm not saying it's completely your choice that you've gotten here, but I'm saying going forward, I want you to recognize that you have the choice of how you are going to respond, or at times not respond to them asking you for help or making you feel like it's an emergency and they need you because we know that this triggers something in you, that hero part of yourself, the part where you're the peacekeeper, where it seems like you feel overly responsible to take care of other people and their messes. And what you described about the rage you have towards your brother is something classic that people who are codependent and people who um, fall into that category of those gifted children who put away their own wants and needs and feelings for others, you start to build this incredibly strong rage and resentment towards those people. And I'm sure what your brother has done, the way you described it, is horrible. So I'm not saying the rage is in some way your fault. But because you keep putting yourself back in those situations and you don't put the boundary between yourself and the family, the rage is just going to continue to grow and that resentment will continue to build and eat away at you. So Unfortunately, it seems like you're going to have to distance yourself more and more from your family uh, in order to to reconnect with yourself and to live your own life because the way you're describing them, they're not going to let you do that. Mm. No, no, I totally agree. And I'm trying to do that in every possible way, whether it's physically or mentally. Physically, I'm staying back you know, in the office or going out, coming back home later at night. And mentally... I just try to block everything out whenever, you know, they, they come to me with the troubles. But I think that sort of, uh, as you mentioned, it has had a sort of a, well, a negative effect on me. And I think I've sort of reflected that in mm-hmm. my relationships. Sure. Now, and uh, another example that I can give you is that there has been a case where uh, in, in middle of intercourse, for example, suddenly the image of my mother comes into my head forbidding what I'm doing at the mm. time. And um, I mean, that, along with the sexual problems that I have with my girlfriend that I described, has sort of uh, led to me having really zero sexual desire. Mm-hmm. And um, it's led me down another path, really. And um, What do you mean? What's I mean, that other... Or, or, when you say it down another path, what do you mean? Um, to be completely honest, I mean, there has been cases where I'd rather not have sexual relationship and, 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 and just masturbate. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so and, and that's something that you know um, I'm I'm not happy about, um, but I'd rather do that at some point. Yeah. Um, and 
Well, that's telling us there's something about the, you know, it's not a lack of sexual desire, of course, a physical thing, but there's something about the intimacy and all that comes in with being sexual with someone else that's too overwhelming or anxiety-provoking, and you'd rather avoid that and deal with it on your own. And this even relates to what I was talking about before, being that child who um, couldn't rely on anyone for their needs or wants or desires, and also coupled with that idea that it's unhealthy and immoral and all those bad things, it's much easier for you to take care of yourself than to allow someone else or to be involved with someone else to take care of you in any way. So you'd rather just take care of it yourself. It's a lot safer for you that way. So I, I, it makes sense to me that that feels more comfortable for you. And even the way you described it, almost uh, there was a shame that was surrounding it, which also makes sense, unfortunately, for someone with your type of background or what you've experienced, that you know, giving yourself even what you want comes with shame. You shouldn't have wants or needs or desires. And again, especially sex is this really ugly, bad thing that you've been told. Um, but clearly you've internalized, as all of us do, your mother and father into your own head and you parent yourself. So even if they're not around, you're still punishing yourself with their uh, ideas and thoughts and, and all of that. So this stuff, it, it runs really deep within you. Mm, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, exactly. You know, the, 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 the things that you're saying, that, um, um, well, that is really um, how I feel myself as well. I feel like, you know, even when my parents aren't around, I'm still doing a pretty good job sort of, you know, looking down on myself mm. and telling myself not to do that. I have an outlook on, on marriage as well where, of course, I mean, it, it, it will be understandable with the, with the things that I've described to have that negative outlook mm-hmm, on marriage sure. where I, I honestly don't want to get married and I don't want to have any children. And that sort of leads me to making some decisions within my relationships not to take the relationship into a more serious level. Mm-hmm. For example, we're talking about, you know, probably moving in or, or even sometimes I don't express my emotions because I don't I feel like if I do um, I would give her the hope that the relationship is going well mm. and therefore I had to make even more commitment and that is I, I, I understand that that is ridiculous but that's you know how, how I feel another thing as well coupled with all, with all of these things is that that apparent age, uh, age gap I sometimes literally feel that um, I am growing a child mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm, and I'm Again, looking after people, and I, you know, this has come a, uh, it's come to a place that I really don't have the energy because everyone is taking that energy away from me. You know, yeah. whether it's my my family or my girlfriend or my job, there is no place that I could go go to apart from when I'm with myself and no one is around that I could recharge. It's everywhere I go, they're taking my energy from mm-hmm. me. Well, that, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. And even the age difference, that's something that came up, especially when you guys met, you were probably around um, 30 and 20 or 29 and 19, you know, that, you know, her being that young and you being a little bit older, it made sense that it was almost like a parent type role, which is something you're used to. But I think what you just said is exactly right. It's like you're constantly just giving and giving of yourself. There's nothing left for you. There's no enjoyment for your life or feeling good for you or taking care of yourself is not something you do and you're going to end up feeling as you sound when I'm talking you're just exhausted and almost just tired of life just uh, there's a depression I hear there's a lot of anger but there's just a lack of hope that life can be 
good or that you can enjoy life, which I can understand. I don't think it's true for anyone. I don't think it's true for you, but I can completely understand how that's the mindset that you've incorporated because of what you've experienced. Um, have you gone to therapy before? I have. I am currently in therapy Good. as well. Um, actually, it's a mutual therapy with, with, with my girlfriend, but you know, we have sessions with each other and, and apart. We are in therapy, um, uh, and I am separately as well. But, I mean, I, I really need <laughs> some sort of um, guidance on this relationship. I really want to know your suggestions. I mean, um, you know, I don't feel like as if there is that strong feeling in me that I want to pursue this anymore. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel sort of guilty to let her go if that was the case. Um, um, yeah, it's a very great area. Really well, yeah, it, it's a great it's a great area, and you also, I mean, you know, you make these situations where you can't win because even you, in some ways, sabotage the relationship. Like you said, don't not even treating her as well as you can because you don't want to get her hopes up or showing her good feelings. But then you think you can't leave the relationship because you'd be, you know, dealing with the guilt, which of course relates to your feeling of having to always take care of everyone, and you can't hurt anyone, of course, so you can't hurt her um either and so you have to just stay with her kind of in this middle ground where you're hurting her and you're hurting you but you feel like you're stuck in a way and one thing i'll also say about the therapy i don't know how often you're going individually but i would want you to go every week even if possible more than once a week really commit to it strongly um and at least here you know in the states i wouldn't want the same person to see uh, a couple and an individual long term, like every every week. So that's something to think about too. That if you maybe would have your individual therapy be with someone else, if you're going to couples therapy with her, with someone. But the therapy shouldn't be kind of this. Oh, we go here and there. It should be this, you know, systematic every week kind of a thing, especially for yourself that I'd want you to focus on. Because what we're talking about is deep relational things that you have. It's not just like, okay, I have some issue with this, or I want to get over something. We're talking about, you know, things that 31 years in the making for you. So you have to build yeah. a relationship with a therapist and over time heal that the wounds that you have and integrate them into yourself to get to a place where you want to get to. So really and I know for you, it's not easy to take care of yourself. And that's why I really want to encourage you to go to your own therapy just for you. Um, yes, can it help you and your girlfriend and other things? Absolutely. But the focus is on taking care of yourself and having yourself heal. Because I don't think you're going to be able to be in a healthy relationship at this time with, with everything you're dealing with. And the way this relationship is going, I think it started when she was probably too young with the age difference you had. You know, if you guys were slightly older it would be less concerning. But if she was about 19 and you were 29 or 20 and 21, um, or sorry, 20 and 31 or whatever it was, that's, that's, that's going to be concerning for that reason of how young she was. Even the way it started when it was long distance, I think that's going to be more comfortable for you. I think for you to get really close with someone doesn't feel safe. You kind of have some of the classic fear of intimacy um, feelings because being close was not something you were allowed to do when you were a child. And especially if you have to hide everything, well, you can't let anyone get too close because once they're too close, they see the things you're trying to hide. So my guess is you keep her at an arm's length in every way, even we see it sexually play out, but in every way, and she's going to be frustrated. Now, what, 
What's bringing her to this relationship? I don't know. I know you said her parents are divorced. Maybe she has some things with her own father that she's also dealing with with you in some way. Um, but I do have concern about you being in a relationship based on how unhappy you seem with life, with yourself, and how you're feeling. So specifically this relationship, I have some concerns, but more I have concerns about where you are at. I think you need to invest some time in working on yourself uh, really, really hard. You know, it takes a long time to get over what you're dealing with because your family is still in your life too much. So even setting those boundaries is going to take you some time. But dealing with all the pain you're carrying is not going to go away. And all the ways it's affected the way you look at relationships, at marriage, at yourself, at just living life, they're really permeating, I think, everything you do every day. Even you're saying you hate your work, but you're still there. Um, it, it just seems like this runs really deep. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you mentioned, you know, for me to focus on myself, and that is really what I want to do. I really want to put everyone aside and um, start to work on myself mm -hmm. if I want to have, you know, a chance of being happy again. Because uh, another interesting thing when, you know, when I was on the on hold that you mentioned was regarding being grateful about things, and I don't have that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm not grateful about anything, to be honest with you. Um, but one thing is that, you know, our parents um, has told us to take a break of about three weeks from each other, from well, myself and my girlfriend, mm -hmm. and really come back after that time and we'll evaluate the situation and come back and decide whether we want to carry on or not. Um, I take your point as to, you know, I'm not healthy at the moment to be in a, in a relationship. Um, uh, I... I feel that way as well. I feel as though if I carry on, I will be the same person as I was, you know, during these two years. Mm -hmm. I would maybe even, you know, um, be even even worse with, with the way that things are going. But I, there's something something is stopping me. I, I'm not sure whether it is the guilt of letting her go um, or what it is. But I, I want to make sure that I'm making the right decision at the end of these three weeks. And um, I'm leaning more towards separation, but I, I'm struggling to, to you know, confirm that or make that decision. Which I can understand. And I also want to be aware of not giving you this feeling of, well, if I tell you to do it, then you can do it. And almost, not as in blame me, but put it that it was like someone told you to do it. Because I can see how difficult it is for you to hurt her yeah. or that guilt and yet you, you know at the end of the day it's going to be your decision of what to do so um yeah. that's why i don't want to tell you okay well you should definitely break up with her and then you can go tell her that well someone told me i should or it's i'm doing it because of you you know i want you to make this choice yeah. because you think it's best for you going forward and so think about it no one can tell you what you should do here other than yourself and take that time to reflect but you know it's not just about these three weeks what you're telling me is this is a lifetime of pain and it could be continue to be that way the next 70 years of life can be the same way unless you start to make some big deeper changes which will take some time but there is hope for you but you have to to give yourself that chance so i mean i'm hearing you the relationship like i said with you and her i care about i think obviously it's very important but the relationship you have with yourself to me is even more important mm, yeah no, i totally agree um yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like I said, either way, whatever you decide to do with the relationship, please, you know, go into therapy, get ready to go every day, every week for months and even possibly years. Like you really are going to need that. The depth of what you're talking about, it's, it's really affecting you to your core. And it's not something you're going to get past quickly, but you're worth it and you deserve it. And there is good news that things can get better. So I hope you'll do that for yourself. I will do, definitely. Yeah. And, I mean, thank you very much for I, giving me the contact. Of course. I appreciate you calling. I really appreciate you calling. Take good care of yourself. Wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right, we've reached our next commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Let's go to our next caller, Radio Hamra. You're on the air. Hi, Dr. Farid. Yes, hi. Hello. Um, it's actually my second time calling. I called you maybe a few years ago mm-hmm. in regards to my um, now 17-year-old son. Okay. Um, so basically, um, I've, I've been having... Um, such a challenge with him um, ever since he was two or three years old. But at this point, um, the reason I'm calling is I, I just want some guidance or some some of your point of views or uh, as a mother, what is it that I can do to help him, um, you know, succeed in life? At this point, I think that he um, has a... Um, he gets into trouble a lot, and a lot of times it's because that he does not really understand what is going on or what's supposed to be done. Most of the time, instead of preparing for what he needs to do, he just lets things happen, and once there is a mess, sometimes even with a small mess, he doesn't get alerted, and then when there is a big mess, then he starts um, getting active and trying to clean up the mess mm-hmm. um, and take it from there. Um, I'll give you an example. For example, at school, um, with his uh, schoolwork, you know, he's, he's in 12th grade now, and so he cares very much about getting good grades. He wants to get into college. He's motivated. Um, it's not that we are pushing him. So he knows that he needs to, you know, study at school. And at the same time, he is rather an average student. He's not like top, top of the class. So that means uh, he needs to put even more effort. So when the class starts and at the beginning of the year, teachers usually put down their expectations, what needs to be done, how you're supposed to turn in your homeworks, what is it that you need to do for each class. So basically with those, um, he, he doesn't even... He doesn't even, it seems he doesn't even look at it. 
Um, so the test comes in, and he's surprised. Oh, shoot, I had a test. I should have studied. I didn't study. So he goes. He does whatever he can do, and then he goes back to the teacher. He tries to. He gets a bad grade, of course. He goes to the teacher. Oh, give me another chance. I didn't know. He brings ex- excuses and mm-hmm. things. Oh, my grandma was in the hospital. Things like that. He makes and them he up? or they're, clean it up. Or was his grandmother actually in the hospital, or he makes them up? No, no he makes it up. Okay. <laughs> he makes it up. Even if it is, he just, it's none of his concern. That is not why he didn't study. He didn't Mm -hmm. even know his grandmother is in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, He's at home, and he's just on his uh, phone, on social media, talking to friends and all that. And then he goes and he just gets, you know, gets a bad grade, and obviously he's not happy about it, and then he has to do this. This happens a lot, even, even... even with with, um, with the limitation he has at home, for example, he drives now and he has a um, time, uh, what is it called, forgot the name, that the, the kids have to be home at a certain time. Curfew? Mm-hmm. A curfew. Mm-hmm. He has a curfew, and we try to be fair with him. We, we're not, he's not a, we try to be fair with him. Even with that, he kind of messes it up, and then he comes home, oh, Dad, I'm sorry, my phone was out of battery. I didn't know how to get home, and uh, that's why I just had to wait and ask a friend to give me directions. Uh, things like that. He okay. messes up things like that. Well, it's not like messing things up. He might be not being truthful to you guys, but it also seems like you guys aren't good at keeping your boundaries with him or setting your boundaries with him. He is definitely not truthful with us. He's mm-hmm. very manipulative. Um, but at the same time, even if for things that are very important to him, like, for example, his basketball uh, team that he's very, very, very passionate about, even with that, he manipulates his coach. Um, like one morning he had a 5 o'clock in the morning um, uh, practice, and he slept in, and then he texted his coach saying, oh, shoot, I, I was not feeling well, and and I was showing up, and it was pretty obvious that he's lying because um, the coach even, I mean, the coach found out, but I told him, listen, it's okay, you slipped in, we are humans, it's okay, just tell him the truth. Why do you want to, you know, act as if you're the smarter one and you can trick everyone? And then he said, oh, yeah, I should have done that. I didn't think about it that way. Mm-hmm. So definitely he's manipulated. And okay. He's not- Does he have any siblings? He has an older older sibling, um, which is very opposite of him. Okay, how old is that sibling? He is um, 20 years old. He's in second year um, of college. He's, you know, he's a typical firstborn. He's smart and kind of goal-oriented. He knows what he's doing. He, he's, he's very different than my younger one. Mm-hmm. Okay. And does he live at home? Um, my older one, no, he's away. Okay. Um, yeah, he, he was here until he graduated from high school. Okay. Now, you know, as you know, when we're looking at uh, someone who's being manipulative or not telling the truth, we wonder what are they afraid of about telling the truth or what's keeping them from from being honest. Um, the way you're talking, I don't get the feeling you're an incredibly punitive mom. Are there strict punishments in your home? Well, we used to we used to kind of set boundaries with him. We used to explain things. We, we used to we used to do it that way uh-huh. because he used to 
he, he still is a type that kind of tries to push the, the agenda. So we were, we, we tried to be kind of writing it down for him, kind of be strict about certain things so that he doesn't push the limit. But it didn't work. It just fired back. He got mad. He, he, it seems he didn't get it. He wasn't really understanding it. So we thought maybe we should just, you know, not be as strict. We, we stick to the boundaries that we're supposed to, but there are little things we let go because it seems that that's the type he is. Well, actually, we got to be careful about that because you're saying that's the type he is, but with someone like him, actually, you have to be even more firm with the boundaries than flexible. Because when you show him that there's some loophole, he's going to manipulate that loophole every single time. Um, so you're saying you would make boundaries with him? Like you'd say, here is this is going to be your, I don't know, curfew, or this is going to be the consequences for this, and he would agree to it. But then when it would happen, you're saying he doesn't, you think he didn't, didn't get it? So what happens is that we're very strict about it. We, we tell him this is safety, this is what it is, we are responsible, you're still 17 years old. Um, you've got to be home by this time. So he messes it up, and then sometimes he brings excuses, and, and what some, most of the time what he does is that he goes back and he kind of questions the, the agreement from the beginning. Like, yeah, but oh, see, you got, you have, right, but I if mean, you're making it with, you're saying you're making it with him. Be, ahead of time, yes. Okay. Sit down and say, okay, I think this is a good good time. I know you want to stay longer, but that's not a good time. We don't think it's, it's good, it's safe for you to stay longer, stay out longer. Um, and we agree. And then... But he, make sure... One thing I'll say about that part is you're, you're making it very... You're saying we, we're making agreement together, but you're just telling him what to do. So if you're making an agreement, it means he's part of the process. So you say... 10 p.m., he says 11 p.m. You say, well, we think 11's too late because of this, this, and you come to some compromise, you agree, you sign it, and that's it. So maybe even in that part, you can approach it a little differently where he's more a part of the process, so he's owning it. Because especially with him, if he feels like you're giving him the rule, then later on he'll say, well, yeah, your rule was stupid. But if you tell him, look, you actually agreed to this rule, you made this rule, he can't say that anymore. So you're going to have to be a little bit more firm with him. Um, when it comes to these things, if you, if you give him a way out, he's going to find it. He seems very smart and he'll, he'll, he'll win that battle if you try to give him a way out. Now, if you, you have to be very direct with him, make the rules with him or whatever the, the, stru the structure is going to be. And then you have to stick to it. You can't, well, if he says my phone died and this happened and that happened every time, if there's a consequence, you say, well, that's the consequences. You were too late, but, you know, something happened. So you lose this privilege or whatever it is that the, the rule is, but you have to stick to it. But I get the feeling you're saying, well, we let it slide sometimes, but I don't know why he doesn't keep following it. Well, he doesn't follow it because there isn't, there aren't consequences. He can do whatever he wants. Right. We've tried that too. Um, I was going to tell you okay. that. We've, we've tried that. We tried to have him be part of the decision making. And then when, when things go wrong, he says, well, I didn't have any other choice. I mean, what? could have I said to you. You wouldn't agree anyways. Um, and the other thing he would do is that he would extremely get mad when, he, when there are consequences. He, he gets very angry, and he just thinks it's not fair, mm -hmm. and it's just very stupid. It shouldn't be that way. And, and he just, he's, 
he's very mad. But that's the thing where you have to say, I get that you're angry, but this is this is what we came up with, and this is what you agreed to, and you're going to have to face that consequence. Because that's what's happening with school, too. He's not... You know, he's not turning in the assignment on time or he's getting a bad grade and he thinks he can just get out of it. So we have to be very careful not to reinforce that, that you can break rules and if you get angry enough, you get what you want. This is the same thing a little child does when they throw a tantrum. And we don't want to reinforce that and say, well, because now the kid is, you know, throwing things and hitting their head against things, we're going to give them everything they want. Well, then that just teaches them that they can always get what they want at the end. So my concern is your son doesn't have a healthy relationship with how things go with realistic expectations and consequences. And he's good at getting his way out of it, but it's a gift and a curse because it's allowing him, it's enabling him to actually prolong this not healthy behavior. And you have to make sure you don't enable it either. So you give him a consequence and he goes, ah, this is so great. Whatever he says, like, I understand you don't like it, but that was what we came up with and that's it. And you have to just let him, um, you know, be okay with that, you know? Um, yes, I, I understand, and that's a big challenge for us. But sure. I, I see that in other places with him in general, with mm-hmm. authorities. So it's not only happening at home. And I'll yeah. give you an example, the very last example that happened that kind of really broke my heart, but at the same time I thought it's a good lesson for him. He has been in the basketball team ever since he was five years old. He loves basketball. Um, this he's a senior in high school. He's not the tallest, so his abilities, just because of his physique, he's not one of the best players just mm-hmm. because he's not as tall as everybody else. So the past two years, he has not been starting. He was not a fi- the, the first uh, five starters mm-hmm. of the team. He was a bench player, and it has made him very, very mad. Um, so we talked with him many times that, listen, are you sure this is what you want to do? If it makes you mad, maybe you just don't want to do it. Um, you would play tennis very well. Maybe you should con- concentrate on tennis um, and things like that. But he eventually he decided, no, that he wants to stay with the varsity team mm-hmm. and he wants to continue. Um, so um, it seems that he has been caring so much about getting minutes during the games that he completely forgot about the team and what's the right thing for the team. So yesterday his coach pulled him on the side and said, listen, um, I think that it, it seems to me that you are not caring for your team as much as you should. It seems that you care about minutes that you get, and it kind of shows um, uh, with the videos that we get, the bench players, and something happens. Everybody gets up, everybody shouts, you're the one sitting down. And I feel that we don't need that kind of energy, and maybe it's best for the team that you don't play anymore. And it broke his heart. I'm sure, yeah. So he kicked him off the team. He came off the team, and he he came off with it. Was he kicked off the team, or are you saying he came off the team? That's very different. Oh, I don't know what would be the right thing. The coach um, nicely told him that you just we don't. It's better for the team to play without you. That's what this coach said. Okay, but I mean, does he still go to practice and he, he's still there? Or he's off the team. No, he's off the team. Okay. Well, I mean, that is very, I'm sure it's very disappointing. And, you know, even before when you were saying, well, he was upset, so he said change something, I, I would focus more on him being upset and we can understand you're upset. What do you want to do? Rather than take away the painful thing. Because maybe it would be a good experience for him to play on the team 
and experience this and see what it's like. Now, I do want to talk some more about your son and what's going on. It's definitely a, a lot happening here, so I don't want to simplify it too much either. But let's talk after the break a little bit about more what's happening with him and some things maybe you guys can do, okay? Sure, thank you, Dr. Sure, thank you. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to the caller we were with before the break. Radio Hammer, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, so we're talking about your 17-year-old son, um, and I understand you're concerned about uh, his behavior and especially the things with the, the lying and the manipulating are concerning, um, things we want to be aware of. There is a f- I was also thinking about this earlier in your call, this feeling of ADHD and not to alarm you, but also a, um, a bipolar type feeling too, but the instability he seems to have, kind of the up and downness that I was feeling from how you described him. D- is he emotionally up and down? Um, I've been thinking about that myself. Uh-huh. Um, yes, he has he has ups and downs, but usually something triggers it. It's mm-hmm. just not without any reason. Okay. Well, even that, I mean, you know, yes, but it seems like it's more extreme, his reactions. Um, He has a hard time. You know, another theme, again, the diagnosis, I don't really know for sure. The ADHD is also something, just because you're saying how hard he has, uh, of a time he has getting things done, and he seems a little bit unorganized. So there there could be something there. Did he have an issue from a young age with paying attention, things of that nature? Um, That actually, he he has um, behaviors um, that would match an ADHD kind of a person. Mm-hmm. However, when he was in eighth grade, we did um, test him uh, for that just because we didn't know what was going on, and he was ruled out okay. for ADHD. Okay. Okay, well, then that might be that. Um, and it, it does seem also, regardless of what else is going on, it's more of a personality type thing, too, that's developed, whether it was from... Let's say there was ADHD or other things that contributed to it. Definitely a personality type issue is there with the the manipulating and the lying. That to me is very, it is concerning. And I want you to be concerned about too, that, you know, you deal with it appropriately because he, he seems to have a hard time with um, a, a few things. But one thing that came to mind is frustration tolerance or things not going his way. Um, and this is something very important. It's a, a, a pillar of mental health is this ability to handle situations and handle our feelings when they aren't very pleasant. Uh, A lot of times we think we have to get rid of negative feelings or negative situations, but sometimes we can't. They're inevitable. And when they do come, the ability we have to control them is very good because if we don't, we can lash out as it seems like he does. We can try to manipulate things and we can also turn to things like drugs and alcohol to escape those negative feelings. And of course, all of those are, are negative things. So that's also something I'm seeing from what you're telling me is that when things don't go his way, if he doesn't like something, he reacts really strongly. So, you know, you guys say we're going to give this consequence. He goes, he gets really mad. Um, or even with the, the basketball team, not the getting kicked off the team part is very painful, but even losing his minutes, that also is painful, but it seemed like he couldn't tolerate that. 
And, and another thing is there seems to be a, a strong focus on himself. And I know the word selfish is a very judgmental one, so I'm careful in using that, but there does yeah. seem to be a selfishness where he's preoccupied with himself and what he wants and things going his way. And when they don't, he just can't handle that. Uh, so that's something we want. We want to be obviously aware of all of these things as they're happening. Now, when it comes to the basketball team, we'd expect him to be very upset about this. So uh, what was your reaction to him when he told you about that? So I wasn't actually surprised at all because I've seen him uh, behaving and I saw that he actually lied to his coach, uh-huh. which was, if I was his coach, I would really be mad. I mm-hmm. think the coach took it well. I wasn't surprised, but I listened to him and I kind of validated his feelings and um, and I said, "Oh, that must be difficult." Oh, um, I was I was yeah validating, but at the same time, I was waiting for him to tell me what he really thinks that coach coach's decision is. And eventually, he said, "Yeah, now that I think about it, I was selfish." Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, I was selfish, and I was thinking about myself because. I, uh, I'm not used to this. I was always starting, and for the past two years, I haven't, and it's just, it has been really frustrating for me. Hmm. But I didn't have the courage to tell him that. Who and, didn't? And the kids didn't, or you're saying you didn't to your son? He said it. Okay. He said it. Yeah. Yeah, he said it. So well, later, that's my good. husband yeah. told him mm-hmm. that, you know, it's a good idea. Maybe as a closure, you could just discuss that with him. It's good that you are aware of your feelings. And mm-hmm. we're all humans. We think if we have feelings, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. What we do with it is matters. So he decided to go to his uh, coach. And once he's returning his, his jerseys, he's, he tells him that. But the bottom of my heart, I have no, and knowing him, I have a feeling that he has hopes to manipulate and have the coach change his decision. <laughs> that's that's possible. <laughs> yeah, that could be. there could be something there. Uh, at least for now, though, you want to take him at his word. I mean, that was a, a big sign of self-awareness or insight that he had of recognizing, you know what, I deserve this. And that's why we want to, at some level, I deserve this. And that's something I'd want you to really focus on, not blaming him, but even commending him for taking on that responsibility and trying to look at himself. And you can even tell him, you know, that's because the only thing you can change in any situation is you. You have that power, but you can't change other people. And when something painful like this happens, and you did a great job, it sounds like, empathizing with him and being there with him. But we also want to see if we can learn anything from it. That's really important. Well, if if I'm in this painful situation, I don't want to get back here. And maybe there's something to be learned. And I think there was. So that's a good sign. Again, if he's doing it just to try to get back on the team, then it's not genuine uh, em- or reflection or genuine, you know, remorse. Um, but let's hope that that it is, and at least give him that opportunity that that's maybe what was going on. Uh, you know, but his personality does concern me. There's a lot, he, he can get himself into trouble, uh, you know, further down the line as the stakes get higher when it comes to manipulating and, and, and challenging things. But one thing we have to look at is, you know, he's, you said he has issues with authority in general, and the original authority figures are are you and his dad and um we have to look at the relationship he has with you guys and and how he feels for example you mentioned how his brother is kind of the opposite of him there's a a strong possibility he felt that you guys favored him or saw his brother as the good son or the one you guys were proud of and that kind of could have created some negative 
feelings in him from a young age. Did you do you think that could be possible? It is very possible. Yeah. Although we were trying to be very careful about that mm-hmm. from the beginning. Um, but that was also, he, he mentioned that many times, that of course if if my brother does this, nobody would say anything, but if I do it, I'm going to be um, um, punished and whatever that has to be done. Again, he doesn't realize that if if somebody does something once, the punishment is different than if the same person does it many, many, many times. That's true, but at the same time, you know, yes, you're right about that. But at the same time, it's good for you and your your husband to acknowledge what he's saying, and you're even recognizing there's truth to it. So not not sure. focusing on the specifics of well, you know, that was the first time your brother did it, or all those, but uh, apologizing to him and recognizing, you know, you're right that maybe your dad and I weren't always fair, or we did favor some of the things your brother was doing and, and that's that was our mistake. So I would try to connect with him at that pain that he has of this feeling of being the child, you know, like the, the black sheep or the, the one my parents aren't as proud of and they don't feel good about me because that, that's pretty significant. Sure. Um, so I would, I would talk to him about that too. Sure. And what I was going to tell you is that we, uh, we've been in uh, therapy with him many times re- but he he had ups and downs with it. He was not very willing to do that eventually, but he got into trouble at school, so school required him to go to therapy. So he's been on and off, but at this point, he doesn't even want us to talk about having uh, him seeing somebody just to help himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'm desperate, and I don't know how I can help him. I think that... It, it, it would be great if he has somebody, some sort of like a coach, life coach or an educational coach that kind of, whenever he goes off road, he kind of reminds him carefully to go back to where he's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. It seems this, it would work for him. And um, like you said, he's not, he hasn't been consistent in general. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel that he needs somebody. But of, of course, he doesn't want me or my, his father to do this. He he doesn't even think that we are qualified or we know what we're doing. So he just doesn't listen to the tips, maybe. Yeah, but he, you know, he might be right. Not that I'm saying you guys aren't, you know, qualified. I mean, I don't know what he means by qualified. But you're not going to be that person for him. Likely exactly. again, on top of that, it seems like there's things to resolve between you and and him. So. Uh, you know, we look at advice. A lot of times, people, especially parents, say, "Well, I'm giving good advice," but advice is only as good as the relationship between the person giving it and the person hearing it. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a good relationship with someone, you don't care. So you want to feel like the person one understands you and cares for you, and of course, you have to respect the person giving you that advice because if you don't have those elements, you're not going to care. Um, but if you don't have a good relationship with him, you know, giving him great advice doesn't matter. And on top of that, if there's a constant feeling of criticizing and giving lectures and advice. Mm-hmm. This damages the relationship too. So parents might think that their job is to come up with the perfect pep talk to tell their kid to study more, or to do this or don't do that. And they have to figure that out. But usually that's not the issue. It's just more building a relationship with them and communicating with them and letting them come to you when they want advice or they want some support. But if you start a lecture, most kids check out the second you start 
telling them about it anyway, yep. so it doesn't get anywhere. Um, but you know, when you talk about him seeing a therapist, it's always I always talk about this, and I'll repeat it again: that you don't want to make him feel like you're saying it's because you have a problem or you're difficult, yep. or you know, you want to make him feel like it's because he deserves someone to talk to. And a good way to open up that discussion can be, you know, Dad and I have uh, we realize we maybe hurt you in this way or, or that way, and we thought, you know, we can't be the ones that help you with that, but we thought it would be good for you to have someone to talk to you because you would deserve that. Uh, but you do have to be careful. Your son has some of the signs of, uh, the, you know, the manipulative side and the ability to lie and to try to get his way and the focus on himself. He, he's going to be tough. He's, he's you know, kind of slippery. He's not easy to know where he's going and what's happening. And so when you do deal with him, you have to just be very straightforward with him. And if you do create consequences, I wouldn't make them too big of a part of your life, you know, to make it all about rules and do's and don'ts. But when you are talking to him and dealing with him, you have to be straightforward. And if he's lying, not that you call him a liar, but you can just let him know, you know, still, this is the the consequence. Because people like, you know, the way you're describing him, somehow their phones are dying a lot more than everyone else's, you know? So something's going on, you know, they're not just actually having their phone die all the time. They're coming up with an excuse. Oh, my phone died this time. I'm sure if he had somewhere to go, his phone wouldn't die and he'd be able to go there. So you have to be aware that we can't just overlook the the behavior he's doing. We're not going to accuse him and make him feel bad, but we're also not going to ignore it. Because as I was saying before, it seems like your son doesn't have a good relationship with reality, with consequences to his behavior. And that when he does certain things, certain things happen in response and he's responsible for them. Not that he should have it go his way anyway. And you have to make sure you don't further enable that by bailing him out of certain situations because you feel bad that he's hurting or he's in pain. You might have to let him sometimes suffer the consequences at times. What do you recommend um, doing as parents besides what you said? Well, it's it's going to be tough. He's already 17 and a lot, you know, his personality is getting, is pretty formed to a degree. So it is concerning some of the things you're talking about. I would make sure you don't make him feel bad about who he is. You can still be real with him, um, but understand that underneath the manipulation and the lying is a a very hurt boy who either doesn't think he can get what he wants by being himself um, or is afraid of being hurt and afraid of telling the truth and showing who he is and trying to connect with that hurt part of him more than trying to make him do something or not make him do something. And I really do hope he goes to therapy because a lot of what you shared, as I mentioned, is a little bit concerning because he's going down a path where this usually just becomes worse. It doesn't just, you know, we don't want to just say, oh, it's a phase or it's going to disappear. Uh, It usually becomes worse rather than better unless things start to change. So you have to just be very real and direct with him and not give in to his, um, you know, his out breaks or outrages you know if he's upset about something you say okay i know you're upset but this is what we decided and he's going to tell you it's unfair you're the worst parents i hate you he's going to probably pull out every trick in the book to try to get you to change your mind but you have to just be firm with that so you know we we you know we said that if you came home after midnight the next day you couldn't blah 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 and you came home at 12 30 and and that's that's that you know he's i know you're upset about it you could empathize with him but say we still think this is the right thing to do um, and make sure you don't give in to that. Do you feel like, is that easy for you to be firm with him if he starts to attack you guys verbally and, and try to make you feel bad, guilting you into giving him what he wants? 
he does that too. Yes, yeah. he does that, and he but brings uh, do, examples do th- that. Yeah. Um, I shared that with my some of my smartest students in the class that are happen to that happen to be my friends, and they all say that your parents are crazy. Mm-hmm. And you they, just you say okay, <laughs> I, you know I understand. I mean, you know, this is like a classic thing. You know, uh, if you talk to people who work and they tell each other their boss is crazy, and they all say yes, my boss is crazy, your boss is crazy. Parents are known for being. Uh, crazy and being difficult and they don't get anything and teenagers are going to always be saying that so i'm not saying maybe there's you guys make mistakes so i'm not saying every time he says that he's wrong but i wouldn't take that as evidence that whatever you're doing has to be wrong at that moment always be reflective and think okay can we be doing this better what's happening we want to even hear what he's saying take what he's saying into account but not because so and so said so does that make us right bad parents necessarily you know right right yeah Okay. All right. Yeah, but good luck with him. Like I said, I'd, I'd be very aware of of where the path he's going on, and he could just get into things that are even even worse. You know, as far as the things he starts to lie and manipulate about, we want to be careful. We you have to be a, a source of reality for him, and make sure you keep it real with him and don't uh, just give in to what he's wishing because he's going to take advantage of that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much, sure. Dr. Faye. Nice Thank talking you. to you. My pleasure. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. All right. We've reached our next commercial break. We'll be right back. back we just have a few minutes left but let's go to a caller radio hamra you're on the air hello yes hi hi my name is kalpana and i'm calling from sydney actually we are very excited to talk to you right now we are very honored oh i'm happy to be talking to you as well yeah um actually i'll just begin very quickly um i'm from fiji my husband is from iran and we have a baby girl mm-hmm. and uh, she is 14 months old Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have any issues because we have been listening to your dad's CD and we've been doing a remarkable walk with her because she's just an amazing child <laughs> and we don't see anything sort of um, that we know would be affecting her because if there's anything, we just refer to the CD or we do our research and we try to do the right thing with her. Wonderful. However, there's one thing. My husband, he said that as for Dr. Holloquy, uh, the baby shouldn't be traveling until they are two years old, mm-hmm. and I totally agree that as well. But um, the traveling—is it traveling overseas, or is the, the babies that can basically travel from one state to another? Because I was planning to go Brisbane, mm-hmm. and uh, I was also planning to do everything consistent because I know they like consistency. But um, so, what are your recommendations? Sure. That? Yeah, and of course, and as you said, then it'll be my recommendations might be even different from um, my father's, or especially with the specifics. But when you say travel, do you mean by plane, by car? Uh, by plane, because car would be traveling, sort of, it would take a bit of time, and babies, mm-hmm. they get uncomfortable, and I don't want her to be feeling such. And I was mm-hmm. sort of planning to travel when she's sleeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, I, I don't think it has to be, a, it depends on how long the flight is, and it can be a stressful thing for them no matter what. But I wouldn't say you definitely can't go on a short trip with her, with your child. 
you know, you want to prepare the best you can to make it as smooth and comfortable as you can. But, you know, we can put our kids in uncomfortable situations, even in the car or other places that aren't going to feel so good for them either. So I would say it's okay for if it's a short trip, if you both are going even better. So she has more um, support. So if your husband also comes, that would make it less stressful for her. So I know you're saying I want to go, but if you can go together, that would, that would be, that would be okay to me. Um, again, you know, the plane itself can be a stressful thing. Um, Sorry, I rephrased. We want to go. Okay, good. We were planning to. Yeah. I mean, to me, I wouldn't say it's something really bad. We do want to be as consistent as we can be, but there's no perfect consistency, and it doesn't mean everything gets put on hold. So I, I don't see it as something really negative to take her on a short trip. Right. Okay, great. Yeah. So can I jump into the next question? Sure, go ahead. Okay. Now, introducing of toys, because what we heard from the CD... What it says was to introduce one toy at a time, and uh, our baby, she's like, she's sort of a bit, um, our active kid. Can I stop you for a second? Are you on speaker by any chance? Uh, no. Okay, the sound is just coming a little bit with an echo. That's fine. No, go ahead. Yeah, so basically, when we, we were thinking as to how to introduce the toys. Is it one at a time? And the toy that we have introduced, we keep it there because she starts to look for it. Mm Mm-hmm. And she she sort of plays with one toy, and she, I know she's jumping from toy to toy, but she's 14 months, and we can't change her habit now mm-hmm. when it comes to playing. But what what are your recommendations? Well, that? they're not. I mean, when we're talking about introducing one toy, that we we don't want to overwhelm them with too many things, but. A kid at 14 months is not going to be able to play with one toy for three hours straight. You know, they, they, they're going to lose focus and they're going to want to play with other things. So that novelty is okay. That is actually fine. Um, we just want to also play with her. You can engage with her if you can get involved with the playing. They can't do a lot of the playing she'll be able to do as she gets older, but she can still play with you with the toys. So there's nothing wrong with her having multiple toys. You know, I don't expect her to have one toy in the room is that what you meant like that you don't you yeah. don't know yeah so it's okay i mean a kid's gonna play with a toy shake it around play in different ways explore and then they're gonna want to actually explore something else and that's okay we, we can't expect a 14 month old to literally have one toy in their hand from morning to night and not play with anything else exactly but there's sometimes this this notion that parents have you know um sometimes it can even come from our own um, maybe deprivation as kids. Maybe we wanted more toys. Maybe we thought we wanted more things. And so we almost take that out with our kids and especially with like a, a baby, we give them too much stuff. We think, I love my kid. I want to give buy them everything. And each day we buy them a new toy thinking that's a way of showing them love. But uh, oftentimes it can be too much or overwhelming to them. Or even related to that, sometimes we think expensive toys show more love. So especially things like iPads and you know the newest iPad I'm going to get for my baby because I love my baby so much when we actually know your baby shouldn't be playing with the iPad that's actually not going to be good for them so um, even and even family members and relatives uh, friends can think well I want to buy so many different gifts for my friend or family members new baby we want to be aware of how much we're doing it's not a it's kind of like food if you have too much of it it's not a good thing too so you want to be aware of how much you're exposing her to but I wouldn't at all be concerned that during the day she wants to play with multiple things she absolutely should be doing that Okay, because right now she hasn't been exposed to television or iPads or like iPhones, anything. Good. I'm trying to keep away from all these electronic devices. Very good. 
Yeah, so research is. Yeah, good. Yeah, the yeah the toys. I mean, having the different things and getting her involved. You know, uh, play is the work of the child. So you want her to be playing a lot and engaged, and you want to engage with her. Eye contact is so important. So engage with her and look into her eyes and communicate. And the way you're even talking, I'm sure you're doing a lot of that. So make sure you do that. But with the screens, I'm glad you're doing that. Uh, parents, again, they think, well, all the parents are doing it, or I want to get my kid something expensive or good, or it's an easier way of parenting. Sometimes you just sit your kid in front of a screen and you can have what feels like free time. But the research is showing us that all these things, the screen time is actually not good for kids at all from a visual level it's not good also with things like attention span um, and the idea that you can educate your kid when they're six months old so show them baby Einstein and those things there's no research supporting any benefits even some research showing it could hinder progress in certain ways so I'm glad you're doing that and it gives me an opportunity to mention this again that the idea of kids having screen time is not good and unfortunately once you introduce it similar to junk food it's hard to take it away from the kid they'll become virtually dependent on it almost like have an addiction so I'm happy you're not doing that there's definitely many ways to keep your child engaged uh, in better ways. So so keep doing yeah. those things, yeah. But the thank you. For, question, if I have time? We, almost, we really don't. It's just about a minute left, so I probably should, uh, you know, wrap things okay, up before I, I let you open up. next week, but since I have a minute left, my husband and I would like to thank you and your dad for the oh. amazing CD that you guys have made. And I would recommend this to every parent that I wish it was in, in English so yeah. I can listen and understand better. Oh, that's very sweet. My yes. Is just so amazing. Oh, that's so sweet. Yes, my dad is uh, really. I'm proud of him for all he's done, but definitely his CDs have been a great contribution to many people to help them in parenting and taking care of kids. So thank you for for sharing that. I do appreciate you calling, and and best to you and your husband and your little one. Thank you, and lastly, thanks to you because we listen to your program, and then that's how we try to to make our relationship sort of be better and. And thank you. Oh, that's very sweet. I hope it's helpful, and I appreciate you saying all that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Well, thank you for that. was a very sweet call. Hope they, uh, I was going to say have a good Thanksgiving, but they're in Australia, so they won't be necessarily having Thanksgiving. But everyone listening, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your families tomorrow. Remember to be thankful and grateful for them year-round, whether you're in America or not. We can always be doing that. But thank you to all of the callers and the listeners and to Rahman here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. Have a wonderful day.